All right, let's just pray, and then we're going to get right into the Bible study. Uh, Father, we pause right now just because we want to stop to recognize that all the good things that happen in our life and the things that are happening in our church, not because of who we are, it's because of who you are. Not because of what we've done, but it's because of what you've done and what you're doing. I'm thankful for that. I'm grateful for it. And I pray now that as we meet together, uh, Father, would you just meet with us through your Spirit? Would you guide us and teach us? Uh, You tell us in the Word that that your Spirit is, is our teacher. And, Father, we know that we need to learn so much more. Uh, May your spirit be our guide tonight. Thank you for those that have gathered here and used this time to help us grow in our relationship with you and grow in our ability to study and read and understand your word. Help us to be self-feeders. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Well, I appreciate you being back tonight. Uh, Last week we outlined how to be a self-feeder. That is, how to study the Bible for yourself. Uh, Now, someone asked the question last Wednesday night, how long should I study? Do you remember what my answer was? 40 minutes. Uh, I thought about that some more, and I'd like to revise my answer, if I could. Uh, It's it's like, oh man, I've been doing it wrong then. You know, that's not the deal. Here's what I'd like you to do. The more I thought about that, when I said 40 minutes... I would like for you to focus more on having a meaningful time of Bible study rather than how long that Bible study lasts. Does that make sense? 40 minutes is just a number. Just a number I threw out there. It might be an average. I read that somewhere, kind of an average time of Bible study. It just came to my mind. I said 40 minutes. It's just a number. I don't want you to get discouraged if all you're able to do right now is 15 minutes. I don't want you to feel like, man, I'm a lousy Christian. I can't get 40 minutes in on on my Bible study. All right, so here's what I'd like for you to do. Focus more on having a meaningful time of Bible study rather than how long the Bible study lasts. If you just spend 10 or 15 or 20 minutes in Bible study and you're growing in your walk with Christ, then that's great. Celebrate that. And the flip side of that is if you're spending 40 minutes in the Word, that's wonderful. But it doesn't mean that you're twice as spiritual as those who are spending 20 minutes in the Word. Okay? Or, th- or if you're spending 60 minutes, it doesn't mean you're three times as spiritual as those who are 20 minutes in the Word. So just focus on having a meaningful Bible study, developing that discipline of spending time with God each day. That's, that's really what I want you to do. Focus on having a meaningful Bible study and just developing the discipline of spending time with God each day. So I hope you got your notebooks. I want you to turn to the back of the notebook, as we have every time. And in the back of the notebook, you should have session one notes, session two notes. And then on the next page, I want you to write on top of the page, session three notes. You're catching on. Now, I have provided you a summary sheet. Uh, but I want you to take this and turn it over, because I'll give you a test real quick. And some of you have read the summary sheet, and that's okay, but... Uh, we're going to come to that in just a few minutes. But I want to give you a test for a few moments. We're talking about the SOAP Bible study method. So with, those, with that note sheet turned over so you can't see, the SOAP Bible study method, S stands for what? Scripture. So we're going to take a, a, find a Scripture. Preferably, how long would the Scripture be? Usually one verse. Could be a little bit more than that, but usually about one verse. O stands for observation. 
Observation or observations, it could be plural. A stands for application. And P stands for prayer. Now, what are we praying about? Right, exactly. We're praying about the application. What God has shown us and what we've decided we're going to live out in our lives, we're praying about that and asking God to help us do that. So that's the, the SOAP Bible study. Now, here's what I want you to do. Take this handout that I gave you. I want, to look, I want you to look at this for a moment. I want you to mark a few things with this handout that are on this handout, and then you can just fold it up, keep it in your notebook so you'll have a reminder, or listen to this, or so that you can disciple somebody else and how they can study their Bible. So you'll have this handout. You might want to make a copy or two of it so you, you'll, you'll be able to keep the original. But it would be wonderful, it would be exciting for you to have this handout in your notebook and sometime at work or a family member or somebody like that say, can I show you how I'm studying my Bible? And you can disciple that person with just this handout, okay? So there's a couple of things I want you to mark on it before we put it away. Uh, get your pen handy under S for Scripture, underline where it says, look for a verse that particularly spoke to you that day and write it in your journal. You're looking for a verse. You need a handout. There you go. Looking for a verse that spoke to you. That's what we're looking for, okay? Anybody else need a handout? Anybody else? We got it covered? That's fine. All right, so that's the first thing I just want to make sure you're clear about. You're looking for that one verse. Now, if you don't find it in one chapter, what do you do? Huh? Read another chapter. Uh, you, you might have to read two chapters or three chapters, but, but you'll, you'll find it if, if you keep looking for it. Um, so that's the S. O is observe. Here's what I want you to underline. Underline the sentence that says, what struck you and caught your attention in what you read? Underline that. What struck you and caught your attention in what you read? Now, you might want to just write down these notes here on that same sheet. Jot down in, in your journal any words or events that stand out. Look for words or events that stand out. Look also for references to time. References to time. Words or event, references to time. And the fourth thing, look for references to places. Particular places. Those are important as you make your observations. Uh, look for warnings. Is there a warning in this verse? Write that down. Look for commands. Is there a command here to be, that you need to obey? And then the last thing I would say, look for guiding principles. Now, you're not going to find all of that in one verse. I'm just saying these are the kind of things you need to look for. Okay? All right, then A, application, underline this sentence. Perhaps it is instruction, encouragement, revelation of a new promise, or corrections for a particular area of your life. Make sure you underline that, all of that, that, that sentence. Perhaps it is instruction, encouragement, revelation of a new promise, or corrections for a particular area of your life. The reason I want you to underline that is I want you to, I want you to think about how does this scripture apply to my life? And as you're thinking about how does it apply to my life, if you get stuck in the application area, that's going to give you some keys on, 
on what you're looking for? Is it an instruction you need to apply to your life? Is it an encouragement that you need in your life today? Is it revelation of a new promise that you need to claim? Is it a correction, something you need to change, something you need to stop? So you're looking for those kind of things as you make your application. And then under P for prayer, underline the first sentence. This can be as simple as asking God to help you use this scripture, or it may be a greater insight on what he may be revealing to you. And so you're praying about that, asking God to help you incorporate that into your life. Now, once we've done this soap, we followed this pattern that we call soap. Once we've written out the scripture, the observation, the application, and the prayer, uh, are we done? Huh? No, what's the next step we need to do? I'm sorry? Write a title. Once you've written out the prayer, go to the top of your page and write a descriptive title. Uh, and remember this about the title. The title is for you. It's to help you remember the lesson from the text. It's not a title to try to impress anybody. It's a title for you so that when you see the title, it will remind you quickly of what you've studied. Uh, and I told you last week that I'd like for some of you to share your titles from your study this week. So I want to follow through on that. If you've used the SOAP Bible study method this week, and, you, and can you give us at least one title of one of your studies this week? Somebody, who's the first one? His look through your notebook gives what? He chose me. He chose me. <laughs> I like that one. God's equipped you, now get out of the pew. Give me another title. Anybody else? Yes. All right. Thank you. Good. Was there another title? Anybody? Yes. Beautiful. All right. So that's what we're looking for. Something that we're going to... My title today in my study was my name. I don't mean my name, Keith. I mean, in the scripture, I was reading in Second Chronicles... And 14 times in one passage of Scripture, one chapter, he talks about my name, the temple for my name, the, the city of my name. And so my title was, was taken straight out of the text, my name. Now, once we put a title on it, are we done? No, there's still one more step. What's that step? Go to the table of contents, and then on the table of contents, we're going to write down four things. Tell me quickly what they are, and then we're going to move on. What are they? Title, scripture reference, date, and the page, I think somebody said. So we've got all that on, ta- on the table of contents. That way we can find quickly what the Lord has been saying to us. Now, that's kind of review. Get everybody on the same page. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to find three other people. I want there to be huddles of about four people. So just find you somebody nearby, huddle up, introduce yourself if you need to. Not going to do anything to make you uncomfortable or embarrassed, but I just want you to huddle up with, with groups of about four, all right? We can do, do that right now. Groups of about four. If you don't huddle, I'll bring somebody to you. Groups of about four. Dave and Angie, that's not a group of four over there. Dave and Angie need two. We need, somebody needs over here. We need one or two over here. You need, how many of y'all got? You got two, we need two over here. Anybody need two? Anybody need, you guys got?
What's that? I've got, I've got one. There you can have it. All right, you got your groups. Here we go. We got our groups of four. Now, this little exercise is going to be wonderful unless you haven't done the Soap Bible Study Method this week. If you haven't done the Soap Bible Study Method this week, then you're going to have to be creative in the way that you come up with your answers. But I think we can still handle it. So here's the question. I'm going to give you about three minutes, three or four minutes, to answer this question in your group. As you have used the SOAP Bible study method this week, even if you just used it one time, as you have used the SOAP Bible study method this week, which of these four steps were, were the hardest for you, the most difficult, and why? And then in that little group, if somebody can share, hey, this is how I, I did it, or this is what I found helpful, in other, in other words, kind of encourage and help one another, kind of figure out how to do it better. So which of these four was, was most difficult for you? And then try to figure out together how you could overcome that difficulty. All right? You got about three minutes. Go take off.
All right, all right, all right. Okay, okay, okay. All right, so here's, here's the question. As you've done the Bible study, soap Bible study method this week, which of these four areas did you find most difficult? Finding the Scripture, locating that one verse, making observations about that Scripture, making application of that Scripture, or praying through that Scripture. So I'm just going to take a vote, and uh, we're, we're going to try to see how many struggle where. All right? So, Scripture. How many say that, that was the hardest thing for me was just finding, locating that Scripture? I don't have my glasses on. You got them? All right. All right, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, to begin with, he said. So just write down that number. What was that? Five, okay. Observation. How many say well, that was the hardest part for me was making observation? Hold it up. Leave it up there. All right, how many said application? That the hardest part for you is application, applying it. Hold it up and keep it there. All right, how many said, no, it's praying through it for me? That's, that's my hardest thing, is just praying through it. All right, very good. I appreciate your, your input and your honesty. Thank you, sir. Now, as I look at these numbers, it, it pretty much falls exactly the way I thought it would. For most people... Not everyone, but for most people, the area where they struggle the most is right here in, in, in observation. Um, observation answers the question, what do I see? Put that on your notes if you're taking notes. Observation answers the question, what do I see? And I want to help you tonight figure out how to do observation better. But in order to do that, we're going to do this little exercise and I'm glad that you're still in your group because there's one other thing I need you to work on. Now, this is going to be a little bit silly, but that's good. We need to have a little fun. All right. We're going to call this doorway point A. You with me? If that's point A, what do you think this is? Point B. Now, here's what I want you to discuss in the group. Using only... The things that are in the room right now, and the people that are in the room right now. I want you to brainstorm and come up with as many ways possible to get me from point A to point B without my feet touching the floor. No, 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 don't, just, I want you to talk to your group. Now wait, 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 before you get started, before you get started, listen, this is important. Talk amongst the group. I want you to try to find at least five different ways to get me from point A to point B without my feet touching the floor. I did this today in just a couple of minutes. I came up with ten ways. See if you can beat ten, but it get at least five.
one note of clarification. One note of clarification. It could be either this is how I could get from point A to point B or how you could help me get from point A to point B. Either one of those, all right? Go ahead. That's what I'm thinking. Some of you guys are smiling like, yeah, he's going to get hurt trying this one. <laughs> like you're enjoying that too much. <laughs> All right, you got 30 seconds. 30 seconds. What? <laughs> All right, I'm going to call time. I'm going to call time now with, with fear and trepidation. I'm going to ask you to share. Now, I came up with ten in about two minutes. Uh, I, I hope that you can do ten, at least five. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to start right here, and, and I'm going to say, give me five, and then every group, give me five, get, or, or at least uh, when we get around here, hopefully it'll be one thing maybe that somebody else hadn't thought of. All right, give me five right here. Uh, okay, now wait a minute. <laughs> I, I, I said, yeah. I said, using the people that are here and the things that are in this room. Put your hand in somebody's feet. So you need to change your list, don't you? Using the things in this room and the people in this room. So, all right. You're going to catapult me from there? I don't think so. All right. Oh, I didn't think about this one. Here's what they said. They said they could lay me down and drag me by my feet. I hadn't thought of that one. All right, give me another one. I thought about that one. I'm going to call that one stepping stones. I could step on them. They could all lay down. I, I kind of step on them. Wheelbarrow. I didn't think about that one. How do you spell wheelbarrow? All right, that's good. Is that it? At least you could try. All right, so you could carry me. All right. Okay. 
All right, so the, these are good. Next group, give me, for sake of time, let's try two. Give me your two best ones. All right. The banister or the rail. All right. Say that again. No, I ain't doing that one. No. No, I'm sorry. No, we don't have him to say, I'm sorry. How about offering plates? I put my feet in the offering plates and slide around. Huh? Crawl, crawl on your hands and knees. Yeah, with my feet up. Yeah, I could do that. All right, next group. Uh, yeah. We're going to do one of them here in a minute. All right. No, I don't think that'd hold me. No, no, we ain't trying that one. All right, give me another one. Anybody else? Throw me, you can't throw me from A to B. Huh? Come here. Come here. Come here. You're going to throw me from here over there. You all in church. You ought not be lying like that in church. Somebody give me a good one. I'm losing control. Give me a good one over here. You give me a good one. Roll. Yeah, I could just roll. Did you know that your was was that Anna who said that? Did you know that your daddy wanted to throw me? I like your idea better. All right, yes, sir. There's not a wheelbarrow here. It has to be in the room right now. Handstand. All right, give me, give me right this right, right here in the back. Did she say break dance? <laughs> Let's try the throw one. All right. Let's try to throw one. That's a better idea. Huh? Walk on the chairs. I thought about that one. Walk on the chairs. Use a pew. Oh, you mean take it off the floor? Uh, well, there's no wheels. There's, it has to be what's here right now. The wheels on the piano, okay. We're getting desperate now. All right, one or two more, right here. Do the worm across. My feet would touch, though, wouldn't it? All right, right here. Walk on the flower pots. All right, all right, I'll give you that one. Let me try in the back corner. I hadn't had any in the back corner. Yes. How are you going to reach the speaker? I'm going to put that one right down here. 
belts and throw. Uh, that's I, I, Make sure I th- put that one in there. All right, right here and then in the back, and then we're done. Yes. Carry me, you can carry me on the stool, right? Isn't that, isn't that? Okay. <laughs> All right, right back there. I don't even know how to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> We ran out of time. I was going to do one of these. We ran out of time. All right, here, here. All right, let's get back on target. Here's the reason for this exercise. If I were to say, hey, hey how can I get from point A to point B uh, without my feet touching the floor? You might come up with just, oh, well, you could do this, or, or you could do that. You might come up with one or two ways. But when you really, really look at it and think about it, and really, really look at it and think about it, all of a sudden things start popping in your mind. What if you did that with the Bible? Here's what I want to say to you, and I want you to write this down. The key to boosting your powers of observation. I'm going to give you the key to boosting your powers of observation as you're studying the Bible. Here's the key. Don't just look at the verse. Look at it from different angles. If you want to boost your powers of observation, don't just look at a verse. Look at it from different angles. Now, I want you to take your Bible, or the one in the pew rack there. I want you to go to the first book of the, of the Bible, the book of Genesis. I want you to find chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. And I want to illustrate what I've just talked about. About looking at a verse from different angles. Not just looking at it, but looking at it from different angles. Genesis chapter 3. Does anybody, either through your knowledge of Scripture, or by looking at the headings in your Bible, does anybody know what Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7 pertain to? The fall of mankind. We, it's right there in my Bible. If your Bible has a heading, mine says the fall of man. It, it's when sin entered the world. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Now listen, listen very carefully. That is a very, very significant Scripture in the Bible. How many observations could you make about that if you just look at it or just read it like in your personal devotions and you're just reading it? It's like, well, yeah, yeah, I already know this. I know this story. And so you may not read it very carefully. I know how it's going to turn out. I know what Satan's going to say. I know what Adam's going to do, what Eve's going to do. I know the story. And so you find it hard to make observations about that because you know the story. So I want to help you see how you can kind of look at things differently. Not just look at it, but look at it from different angles. Imagine how it would make a difference if we took this one story and we read it from different perspectives. Let's just read it. Follow along as I read. Just read it the first time. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say we must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. 
Verse 4, you will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. And so they sewed fig, tr- fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. All right, so, so you read that story. You know that story. This is a Wednesday night crowd. This is not new information for you. So how do you make observation about that? Here's one thing I'd suggest you try. Read it from different angles. And Here's what I mean. Let's say the first time you read it, you read it from the perspective of the Heavenly Father witnessing the sin of His children from heaven. What if you read it through those eyes? Read it through the eyes of the Heavenly Father watching His children sin and disobey Him. That's the first time you read it. And then let's say the second time you read it, you read it with the goal in mind of finding the most important verse in in the paragraph. You read it a second time. What's the key verse in this paragraph? So you're reading it from that perspective the second time. And then the third time you read it, you read it from Satan's perspective as he tempts God's children. So now you're not reading it from God's perspective. Now you're reading it from Satan's perspective as he comes to tempt God's children to disobey their Heavenly Father. And then you read it a fourth time. Read it with the goal in mind of determining how that passage affects your understanding of what Jesus did on the cross. Then you read it a fifth time. This time reading it from the perspective of Adam and Eve as they're sinning. What went through their mind? at that moment of disobedience? What went through their mind at that moment of sinning? What went through their mind as they deliberately chose to listen to the voice of Satan rather than the voice of God? Now all of a sudden, we have a scripture that we've got that is just bursting with ideas now. It's kind of like this board here. All of a sudden, we see things we didn't see before. We think of things we hadn't thought before. Now we've got some things we can make observation with. Because now we're really looking at the text, not just on a surface level, but now we're trying to look at the text on a much deeper level. Wayne Cordero says, and I quote, Reading the Bible and entering the Bible are two vastly different experiences. Listen, listen, listen. Reading the Bible and entering the Bible are two vastly different experiences. Reading the Bible will tell you about history and will give you facts. Entering the Bible will be like shadowing the people you're reading about. So if you want to boost your powers of observation, don't just look at a verse. Look at that verse from different angles. So I've got a formula that will help you here. Kind of, I call it the formula for successful Bible study. Uh, it's, it's just something the Lord gave me, and uh, you can take it or leave it. But I think it will really kind of give you some, a pointer here. If you'll take it and put it on your notebook and do more than that, if you'll try to live it out. The formula is this, time equals observations and greater application. Here's what I mean by that little formula. The more time, now don't get caught up, well, is that 40 minutes or 30 minutes? Or Don't get caught up in that. But the more time that you give to observation, The more time you give to reading the text, 
The more time you give so that you... You see, I told you, let's read Genesis 3, 1 through 7 five times. If you just read it one time, you don't have as many observations. But if you'll read it five times, you'll gain more observations. Read it from different perspectives. So the more time you invest in reading the text, the more your observations will be. And the more your observations, the more observations you have, the greater the application will be. If you're struggling, look at this. If you're struggling with making application, it's probably because you haven't spent enough time in observation. It's a key point. I hope you caught that one. If you're having problems here, back up to here. If you're having problems here, back up to here. All right? The more time you spend making observations, the greater your observation or the greater your application will be. Now, the second area where people sometimes struggle is, of course, in the area of application. And that proved true on the notes that we took here uh, when I asked you what thing you struggle with. I hope you get your notes because I'm, I'm going to give you two statements that are so important in the area of application. I want to make sure you get this. There are two substitutes for application that we sometimes use. Two substitutes for applications that we sometimes use. Number one, we substitute information for application. That's a mistake. We substitute information for application. Ladies and gentlemen, information is not the same as application. Learning a lot of things about the verse, learning a lot of things about the chapter, learning a lot of things about your text is good and it's wonderful, but it's not application. Um, If you take the Word of God, put it in your head, but you don't take it any further, that's not application, that's information. Oh, by the way, even if you take that information and spout it off to other people in a BSF class, You can be a teacher or a preacher and spout off information, but if all you are doing is gathering information in your head and then sending it out through your mouth, that's just information. It's not application. So that's one of the dangers that sometimes we substitute knowing a lot of things for application. And it's not application. The Pharisees were remarkable at this in Jesus' day. The Pharisees were men who who intellectually had amassed a lot of biblical... Is it data or data? I never know the right way to say that word. Both? All right, thank you. I like that answer. here's Here's the deal with the Pharisees. They had a lot of information, but they didn't apply it. They knew, listen, listen, they knew the Bible better than anybody in their day. They had, they had downloaded a lot of stuff into their brain about the Bible. They had downloaded a lot of stuff about God. They just didn't use it. Let me show you that in Scripture. Take your Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 23. In Matthew chapter 23, Jesus is speaking. And he says in Matthew 23, verse 2, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. 
So these are people of great influence. These are people of great knowledge. They are teachers of the law. They're Pharisees. They sit in the seat of Moses. They are the leaders and the teachers of their people. Then he says in verse 3, so you must obey them because of who they are and because of what they're teaching. So you must obey them and do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. Isn't that powerful? Jesus said, let me tell you something about the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. They've got a lot of information. They don't live it out. They've stored a lot of knowledge in their head, but they don't live it out. So, first substitute for application is information. Second substitute for application is this one. And it's just as deadly and just as deceitful is inspiration. Inspiration. If you hear an exciting message that makes you want to stand up and shout, but you don't take it any further, that would be inspiration. And we're all guilty of this. We, uh, we love to listen to our favorite speakers and our favorite singers, and they inspire us. And that's not wrong. That's not bad. That's a good thing. But usually, or sometimes, that's as far as it goes. We tell people, we went to this conference, and man, you should have heard so-and-so. Man, he laid it on the law. Man, she was good. Man, this was incredible. Man, I couldn't believe what she said. I couldn't believe what I learned. I couldn't believe how I got fed that day. Man, this was amazing. But if you never go beyond that inspiration, it still is not application. Does that make sense? Inspiration and information are not the goal. Here's the goal. Application is really about this word. Incarnation. Incarnation simply means to live the Scripture out in your life. How will I live differently because of what God has said to me? That's incarnation. Incarnation is what changes your life. Incarnation is what changes your future. Think about it this way. If the Bible is just in your head, that's information. If the Bible is just in your heart, that's inspiration. But if it's lived out in your life, it's incarnation. All of those are needed. All of those are good. You need the information from the Word of God. You need to be inspired by the Word of God so that you'll take action. My plea is just don't stop there. Don't be satisfied with just information. Don't be satisfied with just a stirring Bible study. Make sure that you take it the next step and say, how am I going to live this out in my life? Howard Hendricks is a great Bible teacher who is now uh, with the Lord. He was a, a seminary professor And uh, he said this, and I quote, he said, Our task is two-sided. First, we must get into the Word of God for ourselves, but then we must allow that Word to get into us to make a permanent difference. He said it very well. Now, Wayne Cordero talks about why this application is so important. And the reason he says, I'm going to summarize before I read something that he says, He said, the reason that application or incarnation is so important is because we all have the tendency to drift. 
We all have the tendency to drift in our walk with God. We all have the tendency to drift in our commitment. That we're committed today, but maybe not quite so much tomorrow. We, we're committed this week, but maybe not quite like we were last week. We, we all have that tendency, every one of us. We all have that tendency to drift a little bit. That's why we need application or incarnation. He, and in this book, he, he writes very transparently uh, about a, an experience that he had that, that is a little bit... Uh, Comical, but very, very enlightening and very direct. I, I think you'll enjoy this. It's called, this section of his book is called One Night with Temptation. One Night with Temptation. He said, <clears throat> several years ago when I was feeling tired and weary and temptation availed itself with a perfect alibi. I'd completed an engagement early and had a free night in a hotel near the airport. I was unaware that this particular area was well known for prostitution. I asked the maitre d' for a table for one. I was no sooner seated than a strikingly beautiful woman sat down across the table from me. Now this is a preacher that that wrote this book. I just want to make sure you understand who wrote this. This is a preacher. So this strikingly beautiful woman comes and sits down across from him. And she says, are you satisfied with this hotel? I assumed she was a hotel representative surveying the customers. Well, absolutely, I replied. This is a beautiful hotel. And the rooms, are, are they to your satisfaction? Oh, yes, I said naively. The beds are so comfy. And then she said to him, I'm here to offer you elite services reserved only for gentlemen. I must be pretty dim because I still didn't catch on. Services, I said? Yes. Escort services that will make your stay a memorable one. It finally clicked, and my light went from dim to bright. She was working all right, but not as a surveyor. Immediately, an inner voice interrupted. No one will know. You're in a strange hotel in a strange part of the country, and you deserve a break today. It may have been an illusion, but I thought I saw at that that moment Out of the corner of my eye, Joseph running from Potiphar's wife. And when he passed me, he yelled, You better follow me, Cordero. You better follow me now. (laughs) Excuse me, I said to the woman. I forgot something in my room, and I ran to catch Joseph. When I got to my room, I bolted the door, and to this day, I am so glad I did. Where do these parameters come from? Where do we... Where do we get them? He's talking about these kind of guardrails in our life that come from application and incarnation. He said, where do these parameters or these guardrails come from that keep us out of sin? From the men and women who have been there before you. He said, Joseph had to flee Potiphar's wife. He knew lust pull. So did Samson. Abigail had to deal with David's anger as well as her own frustration. She dealt wisely. Her example will guard you from costly mistakes. Elijah's depression found him alone in desperation. Jeremiah knew about it too. They both, uh, they'll, they'll both take the time to teach you. Peter left his calling to go back to fishing. He knew the feeling of giving up. He, was, he has so much to share. Where do you get the guardrails? Where do you get the guardrails? The guardrails come from your daily time in God's Word, your daily time in God's Word, where you're trying to get not only observations about that text, but applications for your life so that you can incarnate the Word, you can live it out uh, in your everyday living.
Now, next week, we'll take this a step further. But before that we get to that, let me just encourage you to continue to use that SOAP Bible study method. And if you haven't done it this week or last week, try to do it this week. Try at least one day. Try to spend some time in God's Word with your notebook and following this SOAP Bible study principle. Do you have any questions before we leave? Q&A time. Any questions about what we've talked about tonight? So let, me, let me raise a question that somebody over here asked because it might help somebody else. They said, when you're trying to find your Scripture, when you're trying to find your Scripture and you're making observations, once you've found your Scripture and you're making observations, are the observations about that one verse or is it about the entire chapter? Primarily, the observations are about that one verse. But sometimes you have to go back to, the, to the, either the previous chapter or, or even the one that's following to get the context. So your observations could be about the larger context, but primarily ought to be limited to that one verse as much as possible. Because that's the verse you're trying to live out. That's the verse you're trying to put into your life. Uh, are there any other questions or, or statements? Yes. Uh huh. And that's, that's a good question, Mike. And, and I hope I'm going to give you a good answer if I understand what, what you're talking about. Because this, this has happened to me sometimes. In fact, it was somewhat today. It happened uh, somewhat today. Uh, when I'm reading through Second Chronicles, uh, I think it was chapter 6 and 7. I read through chapter 6. I read through chapter 7. I underlined some verses in chapter 6 and in chapter 7. I underlined some verses. I thought, well, that's neat. I like that. I like how that's. But when I got to the end, I really didn't have anything like, oh, that grabbed me. You know, and I kept reading it, and I read it m- several times, and, and I just wasn't getting it. And I thought, well, th- this is not good. I, I need, I, I'm supposed to be teaching this stuff tonight. I need to figure out how to do this. You know? uh, but that happens sometimes. Now, here's, I've done one of two things. Sometimes what I've done is say, okay, I'm just going to choose a verse and do the best I can because I'm trying to de- develop this discipline. And it may not be a home run that day, but I know that I've sat down with the Word of God and I'm developing that daily discipline. So I'm not going to put pressure on myself that I've got to hit a home run every time. Uh, because ultimately, then it becomes about how good can I write it, how good can I say it, and that's not what it's all about. It's, it's about God's Word speaking to my heart. The other thing, though, that I found, which happened today, um, about the time I was ready to give up and just say, well, I'm just going to choose a verse, I, I sense the Lord just saying, Remember when you read that, that, that phrase, my name? Go back and look at that again. And I started looking. I thought, well, I've seen that several times in the, in the chapter. And I started reading through the chapter, and it was 14 times in that chapter. I just kind of read right past it, you know, 14 times. Then I said, okay, now that's something I need to study. And so I started making observations about that. So it, I'm giving you kind of a two-answer thing. One is don't sweat it too bad. Do the best you can. The other is keep looking for those details, something will, will eventually pop up. Yes?
So the question is, how do you interpret sometimes passages in the Old Testament? That, is that what he's saying? Yeah. Would somebody say something over here? What were you about to say? Okay. All right, yeah, there are some things in the Old Testament where you think, well, you know, I don't live under that law. I don't live, there's the Levitical law and there's the, the uh, what's, what's the other one called? The, uh, there's three of them. Um, the priestly law, Levitical law, the, no, there's another one. The civil law. Um, you know, sometimes we look at those things and we think, I don't know how that would apply to me. And what I would do, because, again, you're trying to live this out, what I would do is say, okay, I'm going to look at another verse. You know, and unless you're really locked in on that verse, it kind of goes back to what I said last week. Don't worry about the 90% you don't understand. Look for the 10% you do understand sometimes. And, and you're going to try to live that out. Now, what you can do, though, Andy, when you come to those verses, you might have another page in your notebook where you write down questions for further study. When you get an opportunity, then you can dig deeper on that. Uh, so that would be my encouragement. Just write those things down, write those questions. I'm going to ask Keith, or I'm going to look at a commentary, or you know, I'm going to, I'm going to dig into my study Bible, but write those questions down so you can get some clarifi- uh, clarification later. All right, one more question before we leave. Yes? Yeah, that's good. That's good. Question was, what if you're reading something and all kinds of things are popping out? Here's what I would do. I would take one and do that today. And then I'd go back to that same passage tomorrow. And I keep going back to that passage doing one thing a day until I, I, I have emptied the well. Uh, and that's a great thing to do. Because um, one of the guys I was reading, I think it was Bill Hybels, said that he spent, I believe he said, an entire year studying Romans chapter 12, an entire year. And that, that was his habit sometimes, John 15. He spent three months or so in John 15. But the Word of God is so rich, you can't deplete it. You know, so good questions. All right, guys, thank you for being here. Let me pray over you, and we're going to leave. Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you'll help each of us this week to use this soap Bible study method or some method to study your word and spend time with you every day. Help us to develop that habit, that daily discipline of spending time along with you. And I pray you'd speak to us so that we can live it out in our lives. In Christ's name I pray, amen.